This program is brought to you by Livertune, a certified organic naturally fermented liver support and detox for dogs. Livertune is carefully formulated to support your canine friend's liver and the whole body by helping to eliminate heavy metals and toxins for greater health and longevity. Originally, dogs have evolved in a pristine natural environment free from chemicals, drugs, and other toxins. Unfortunately, today's dogs come in contact with countless toxic chemicals, and many of them show high levels of heavy metals, mercury, lead, cadmium, arsenic, and other toxins, which naturally leads to disease and shortened lifespan. There are tens of trillions of cells in the canine body, with 37,000 billion billion chemical reactions taking place every second. That's 37 with 21 zeros. The liver plays a key role in this incredibly complex system, and while the biochemical reactions happen automatically, they are greatly influenced and derailed by foreign toxic substances. Toxicity along with nutrient deficiencies are the primary cause of liver disease. And this is why so many dog lovers have seen such great transformation when they take their dogs through a semi-annual liver cleanse and detox with Livertune. When it comes to the formula itself, Livertune has been made of top quality human grade certified organic ingredients by using a patented fermentation process. Research has confirmed that fermentation increases the bioavailability, potency, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and anti-cancer effectiveness of the ingredients. In addition, Livertune is packaged in glass to prevent plastic leaching into the formula and also protect the environment. To learn more about the organic ingredients in Livertune and read what other dog lovers have to say, all you need to do is to go to livertune.com. That is livertune.com. Hello, my friends. Uh, I'm Dr. Peter Tobias, and you're listening to Not Just About Dogs. Today, I would like to talk about a condition that affects roughly about 9 out of 10 people, and maybe even more. And I hope you'll be listening until the end, because based on what I know from my own experience, this topic can really transform your life. Now, I'm not going to take credit for what I'm going to be sharing with you today because there are many people around the world who are much greater experts. However, I am a human and uh, I live life. And until recently, I didn't fully realize that my challenges, conflicts and life troubles are often connecting to trauma and my response to it. The evolutionary purpose of our body's response to trauma was to help protect us from danger. We needed to remember that tigers were dangerous and that falling of a cliff would have fatal consequences. But as time progressed and our lives have changed, these neurobiological responses and pathways have not caught up with our rapidly changing lives and we are in serious need of an adjustment. We're overdue for a shift that will make our lives and the lives of our canine friends much better. I imagine that life is a highway with three lanes. The center lane is just the right speed. Everything is under control and life is good. The left lane 
is the fast lane. Everything is scary, dangerous, and unpredictable. Life in the left lane feels unsafe, and unless drivers react quickly, they could get into an accident and die within a split of a second. And then there is the right lane, which is nice and slow, seemingly without any problems, but it is occupied mainly by large semi-trucks. The giants who can cause the most damage to your car if you get hit by them and there is a pileup. Naturally, we all wish that we lived our lives in the center lane, the lane of comfort, but that is not realistic. When life becomes stressful and traumatic, some people's bodies react with a fight or flight response, which causes them to fly off the handle, lose their temper, experience road rage, or have an argument with those they care about. Many people are unaware that such a reaction is the result of the fight and flight response bypassing the brain's frontal lobes, the rational part, and triggering the more primitive reptilian brain which generates an impulsive reaction. This reaction is challenging and sometimes impossible to control. Experts call this a state of hyperarousal. It is the state responsible for reactions like slamming the door or saying and doing something regretful when you're arguing with a loved one or a friend. This response is also quite typical in dogs. The flight and fight response is the body's first line of defense when faced with danger. Living in a state of hyperarousal, the fast lane is stressful and eventually the mind and body can no longer sustain it. This is when an individual can fall into a state of hypoarousal, where depression, loneliness, addictions, and even societal tendencies can manifest. This is the equivalent of being in the slower right lane full of semi-tracks. In some cases, when the trauma has been particularly severe, a trauma victim can bypass the hyperarousal state. The consequences of such trauma are potentially more dangerous because they can be hidden and go unnoticed for a long time. A simple example of the hyperarousal state is a beetle that plays dead when there is nowhere to escape to. I have observed this behavior in geckos when I've tried to catch them. At first, they attempt to run away, but once they realize there is no escape, they stop and remain frozen. A person in a state of hypoarousal is often a loner and is uninterested in being around others. In the case of dogs, they would be timid, hide, and show signs of fear of being attacked by other dogs. This is because they are under the spell of neuropathways created by trauma. Instead of giving you some theoretical imaginary examples, I would like to give you examples from my own life and also from the life of my dog, Pax. When I was 11, I began riding horses, and one day my mother decided that she also wanted to learn how to ride. It was a beautiful sunny day, and we were out, it was uh, spring, and we were in a big grassy field where the horse trainer was giving my mother her first lesson. I'm unsure whether the horse got spooked or if he just wanted to buck my mother off, I just recall seeing my mother fly up in the air and land on her back. She was lying there but moving and her blue-green eyes were wide open as if she were dead. I can't remember the ambulance or the doctors but I remember walking home alone carrying 
my mom's clothes and her pink high heel shoes. I have no idea why the trainer sent me home. Maybe he was also in shock. My mother had suffered a severe skull fracture and brain trauma, and it took three days for her to wake up from her coma. When she regained consciousness, she had symptoms of double vision, severe vertigo, and uh, needed to touch walls with her fingers in order to walk straight. She went through severe trauma and our whole family was also traumatized. Until recently, I didn't understand that the trauma had created a neural pathway in my brain that made me repeatedly upset. I was on a video call with my partner who was lying on his back with his eyes open. And for years, I would feel agitated when he did this, but I had no idea that it was because it was triggering my old trauma of witnessing my mother's injury and seeing her lying on her back with her eyes open and not moving. I have one more example, maybe a little more trivial, but also uncomfortable trigger that I have about losing things. When I was young, I used to misplace my keys and my father thought it was very funny. He would often crack jokes when I could not find my keys or my wallet. And as time progressed, it became a family joke. Until recently, I used to get very anxious when I couldn't find my keys, wallet or phone. But now that I understand and have more awareness about the source of my peculiar reaction, I can take it lightly when I misplace things and even laugh instead of getting upset. At the beginning of this podcast, I promised you to talk about dogs and trauma. When it comes to trauma response, dogs are similar to people. When Pax, our dog, was little, uh, we used to crate train him and he was very good. He would go in the crate even when it was open and we started leaving him at home for a couple of hours and he was absolutely fine. But things changed after one occasion when we were traveling and we went out to a theater. We left Pax alone in the crate for a couple of hours at an Airbnb apartment that we were staying in and he did not like it at all. When we got back, the soft shell crate has been, had been ripped up. And from that time, Pax didn't want to have anything to do with it. It took us a year and a half to reset his experience of trauma and separation anxiety. He didn't want to be alone at home and we couldn't even pull the crate out. He would be, he would be gone. So this is uh, one of the examples of how the fight and flight neural pathways are connected to in his case, being alone. And it took patience and understanding for him to feel comfortable enough to be left behind again. It is super important to understand that this fight and flight reaction, the neural pathways that connect it uh, at the time of the stress, last sometimes for a lifetime. And it is super important to be very patient and not only condition our dogs, but also ourselves to the stressors in a very gradual way and try to reprogram our responses and reactions. I have a few thoughts on aggression. One of the most significant problems in the canine world is dog anxiety and aggression. And I have witnessed countless situations where dogs react while they're on leash, but they're fine when they're off leash. In nature, dogs would be free to sniff each other and say a proper hi. 
by the current bylaws of leashing dogs most of the time have removed their ability to do so and to say hi because that's what they naturally would do. After having spent more than three decades working with dogs, I'm convinced that most dogs that act up while on leash would be completely fine if people simply dropped their leash and allowed their dogs to sniff and greet other dogs. Instead, uh, they're restricted, which causes them to act up and triggers a stress response in their guardian. I have seen many people yelling and screaming out of fear, which signals danger to their dogs, who react even more. Over time, the trauma loop becomes very ingrained, and it's hard to break this vicious circle that no one deserves to be blamed for. Unfortunately, this is how we are wired, and our dogs are wired the same way, but it doesn't mean that there is no solution. We can now be more aware of our responses and fears. We can also allow safe socialization from an early age for our dogs to prevent aggression and anxiety. This is the main reason why I'm so opposed to keeping young puppies away from other dogs until they're about three or four months of age. If you have any questions about how to keep your dog or your puppy safe and socialize them, I recommend you going to my website at peterdubias.com and search for blog on puppies. Uh, you can type in puppies or how to immunize puppies and you will see that there is a safe way to get dogs out there as early as 12 weeks of age. Now, at the end of this podcast, I would like to talk about breaking the spell of trauma. Understanding how the brain responds to trauma allows us to bring awareness to the process and learn to catch ourselves before we move into the lanes of discomfort where we wind up getting upset or falling into feeling low and depressed. I find it rather hard to write about trauma or talk about trauma in 2022, as we all have been traumatized by the pandemic and now the terrible situation in Ukraine. But I believe this is also the right time for an open discussion. Knowing how trauma works is essential, especially during these difficult times. While I try to provide clear examples, some people go through much more severe and undescribable suffering, and we must be prepared to help. The first step is to start with ourselves, to take notice of instances where we react and determine why. Because when we get better, we can help our dogs and also others that are affected and we can do so more effectively. People often judge others for their behavior because on the outside, it appears illogical or even crazy. They're unaware that emotional reactions, outbursts, social withdrawal, and depression often originate in trauma. This is also helpful in the process of becoming kinder to ourselves, our dogs, and other people. It allows us to understand that Reactions and emotions are often rooted in trauma and that they are not our essence. It gives us hope for a better future. Oh, one more thing. If you have any questions, you can always go to my website. There's tons of articles and blogs on different topics. It gives me an incredible pleasure to help you keep your dogs healthy and also hear how well they're doing after you apply some of the treatment protocols. I also write a weekly newsletter 
that is full of information on how to keep your dog healthy and happy for many years to come. And if you want to join our pack, all you need to do is to subscribe on the website. Thank you so much and take care. Bye-bye.